This is the Gospel for Life, where we have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. Around the table today is Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Jonathan Van Hoogen from Dayspring United Reformed Church, Vinnie Hanke from Valley Life Community Church, and Ryan Hemphill from Treasure Valley Reformed Presbyterian Church. To catch earlier broadcasts, just search The Gospel for Life wherever you subscribe. To find out more about this ministry and about our annual conference, go to ReformationBoise.com. Welcome back to The Gospel for Life. They, we have just a, a whole bunch of announcements today, so just buckle in first here for a little bit, and then we are going to start a little series on just answering some questions that have come in from our listeners. So announcement number one is, if you want to get a hold of us, you can just send us emails at thegospelforlifeidaho at gmail.com. Um, you can send in questions. You can follow up on maybe something that you heard on the air. You can just give us some feedback. There's only one rule of thumb, and we just ask that as you engage with us, that you just simply be kind. We can take constructive criticism. We can take the feedback. um, But I think it's just a healthy practice as we engage with one another, even in disagreements that we might have, that we just are always kind and respectful for the, the people that we engage with. And I actually think that could be one of our greatest evangelistic tools as we are in a culture that does not know how to behave in disagreement and we could be salt and light in just that simple way. This is not entirely related to that, but we do have a guest in our studio today, uh, Matt Mashevix from Sovereign Grace Fellowship over in Nampa. How you Um, doing? Very well, and yourself? I'm doing good, thank you. The listeners never get to hear the off-air conversations, but Matt is actually a a pastor of 1689 Confessional Church with Sovereign Grace Fellowship, and we just had a wonderful um, conversation off-air about some of the things Topics we weren't really debating or discussing or arguing, but we were discussing issues that relate to some of our differences and hopefully... Mostly uh, pastoral practical issues. Yes, yes. And so even though we don't agree on all of our particulars, we do agree on our essentials, which then gives us liberty to engage in ministry alongside of our brother and, and hopefully... We're mutual blessings to one another, and in, in, even in the context of having some slight differences. Well, they're not even slight. They're, they're pretty significant, but yep. the essential behind them is, is still the same. So. Yep. The other announcement I have is the conference actually is closer than we think. It is mm-hmm. September 22nd, 23rd. We have secured a venue. We are moving to the Great Hall of Ambrose School. And registration is now open. Information is up on the website, reformationboise.com, so you can go and register. Our speakers are Dr. Jonathan Gibson and Dr. Miles Van Pelt. I believe the theme we settled on is God with us. God to us. God to us. God to us. And it's the same. It's and the same. God, yeah, yeah, yeah. God with us, God to us. But, uh, you know, we're, the principle is uh, you and know, God is a God of covenant. And mm-hmm. he makes a covenant with us or to us. And that is the topic that we're going to be looking at is covenant theology um, and how the covenant theology plays out in time and space. And hopefully that isn't seen as a threatening topic, but it's actually the, the covenant that brought me into Reformed theology, mm-hmm. the, the warmth of it, the, the comfort of it, the security of it. 
the idea that there is a God that wants to dwell with a people and to interact with a people and that it's based upon his love and faithfulness that he is a God that has taken the first step in initiating a relationship with a people and that he wants to be his own. And and to me, there's so much richness there. And hopefully as you come to the conference, you'll sense that richness. The Ambrose School is slightly smaller than our old venue, so um, please don't drag your feet. Um, we are afraid that we might have to cap registration, so please, if you're thinking about coming to the conference September 22nd, 23rd, please go to ReformationBoise.com and register. Well, we're going to tackle some questioners from listeners. I've tried to just take them and group them into general topics, and today there there was a number of questions dealing with the broad concept of economics. And so the one we're going to begin with is, can socialism and communism be supported under a biblical worldview? So what are we to make of socialism? What are we to make of communism from a biblical framework? You know, it's interesting that uh, some people point to the book of Acts where they had all things in common, and they'll say, see, that's a early form of of socialism. The difference, at least as I see it, is what you see in the book of Acts is everything that I have is yours, and it's done not by force of government, but by by love and a work of the spirit, whereas in communism and socialism, it's everything that you have is mine, mm-hmm. and, and there's force implied on that. So that's a big difference for me. And we see that when... Um Blinking on their names, Ananias and Sapphira, Ananias. and uh, you know they they bring their gifts to the uh, apostles, and they get in trouble because they're coming saying, "Here's everything that we have," and through the Holy Spirit, Peter says, "No," <laughs> and he even tells them, "Once it, it was yours, it was yours to do with whatever you wanted. Like you you didn't have to bring all this. You could have openly kept some and then just given a portion." And uh, but they were lying to the Holy Spirit and saying, "Yeah, Ananias and Sapphira were were posers. They were they were pretending to be giving everything, and so in that sense, they were looking for the acclaim Mm -hmm. of of doing that. And uh, and Peter points out that they've lied against the Holy Spirit. They've lied against God. They've lied to God Mm -hmm. on that. And so, in in that sense, uh, you know that that lie caused Ananias and Sapphira to be carried out." Because yeah. the the Lord struck them dead, that doesn't happen now. But and that's another thing about the Book of Acts. It's it's narrative of what was happening. It's it's not it, it's not regulative uh, as to how we do mm-hmm. church. And I mentioned that to prove you know, you know Matt's point that that giving in the early church that we see, which some people go to as far as this is socialism or communism. Uh, they were free to choose whether yeah, or not was they their gave property. Or not. That's right. And then if we go back to the Old Testament. I mean, the laws specific to property rights and territory, I mean, God saw it as an offense if boundary lines were moved and people got to retain their property within their home. They had a right to the land that was given to them. And I think we have to just even understand from the book of Acts that you have Lydia, who is a a business owner. You know, see in the in the story of Lydia where they say, "Oh, now go sell your business. Mm-hmm. Stop being a business owner, mm-hmm. and you need to give it all away." No, there's there's no sense of that. 
and this just even the the giving that was being asked for the those in need in Macedonia mm-hmm. and the instructions don't read as if Paul was going around and saying you need to give everything away what he was saying is commending some and saying you gave beyond what you beyond your abilities b- beyond your abilities mm-hmm. and so the sense is if you had given less there would have been no no sense of judgment or correction that would need it be needed because God loves a cheerful giver. God right. loves the giver that out of the overflow of the heart gives unto the work of God's people and God's God's church. And so I, I just don't really think that you can honestly, using biblical hermeneutics, arrive at a position to say that the Bible teaches either A, socialism, or communism. Mm -hmm. And that leads to this idea of what is the difference, this is kind of a related question, of between equity and equality. And I think our culture often confuses those. The whole idea of if, if, if everybody is equal, then there has to be equal outcome. Mm-hmm. So how can we help people understand what the Bible actually teaches on that topic? Well, the Bible does actually say, and, and you know, it, it speaks about the, the one who won't work. Uh, you know, you, you're not, you don't help the one that won't work. I mean, you're not trying to get him to the same place. You, you actually, you're trying to help him understand he has a responsibility to care and provide for his family. You know, there's a di- you know obviously right there you you recognize the equity is the same message to people. The equal outcome is is something um, that's not part of uh, scripture. And and God in in referencing the imagery of a body that uh, he refers to as his church. I mean, he's he's mm-hmm. given us a variety of gifts. Right. Gifts. He's according to his grace. He's measured out according to his purposes. We are not all eyes, we're not all hands, we're not all feet. We have, and even as he uses that illustration, you know, there are <coughs> quote unquote weaker portions of the body that are given honor and respect. And then there are other parts of the body that, you know, are, are used for different things. And so that too, like we are, it's all part of the same body and we're all equal in that sense. Uh, human, humanly speaking, we are all image bearers of God. But that doesn't mean that we are going to have the same outcome in life. There will be those who are given much, those who are given little. Even in the parable of the talents, you have the uh, master who gives his servants differing amounts, and uh, mm-hmm. you know they're held accountable for how they used what they were given. And I think it's important to also note this whole idea that as image bearers of God, we don't show partiality. Um, right. We treat everyone equally in the sense that all are God's part of God's image. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we don't say, oh, because this one's rich, I'm going to treat them different than this one that's that's not as rich. But we aren't going to say, well, because this one is rich, we need to take them and make them into the same social position. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. So those are two different, we're saying two different <clears throat> things there. We're not showing partiality. We're not making a judgment based upon exterior characteristics. Mm-hmm. But what we are going to say is how I engage with this person ought to be the same as how I engage with this person with regard to mm-hmm. that they're an image bearer of God. That's they, a, yeah, that's especially true in the context of the church. I mean, Christ speaks to that, you know, over and over again. 
he talks about not showing partiality. Paul says the same thing. And there is a sense that, you know, before God, we were all born dead in trespasses and sins. So there's a sense that we all start off from the same place in that sense. And um, we need to share the gospel with all people uh, because of that. But how that works out financially or socially is a different question altogether. And um, different think, people have different skills and, you know. And, and, you know, God has given poor. He's given rich. He's given everything in between. And I do think that we, you know, what we have been given, we need to see whether it's little or whether it's a lot, uh, how we can use it for uh, the good of God's kingdom. And yeah. there's one example that comes to mind that, you know, I won't mention them. They're, they're a member of one of our churches, but they, they have, I don't know how much they're worth, but they're, they're worth quite a bit. And there was, you know, a, a, a couple of times where some families under hard circumstances in their own congregation may have had to move away, couldn't find places to live. On two occasions, they bought homes within their community and then rented them for cheap, you know, just bare bones. And, they had the ability to do that and it's not a cheap community to live in and you know that but you would never know that looking at them mm. you know they don't flaunt it you know but they use the resources they've been blessed with for the well-being of their brothers and sisters and praise the lord and i think what paul teaches in first or in not first in philippians four thirteen, this often misquoted verse is that god is in control of the circumstances of our life and this is why i can do all things through him who strengthens me, who strengthens me to accept and live within mm -hmm. the circumstances that he's placed me in, whether that's plenty or in want, and that we have to say that God truly governs over both of those extremes mm -hmm. and everything in between. Well, you've been listening to The Gospel for Life. We will see you next time.